This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Hi, my name is Kathleen Engel, and I'm a professor and associate dean for intellectual life at Suffolk University. And I'm here today to talk a bit about what's happening in the world of foreclosures and how it relates to the housing recovery and what the roles of different actors are. And to begin to understand this process, it's key to understand how financing mortgages has changed over time. It used to be people went to their local bank, got a mortgage that loan officer at the bank would make sure that they paid on time, help people out if they got in trouble and things like that. Now, loans are made by lenders and then sold usually to an investment bank or a big financial institution that then packages the loans into pools which are then transferred to a trust which issues a security and the proceeds from the loans go to pay off the investors in the security. So there are lots of different players in the chain of ownership of a loan. Because the loans changed ownership so many different times, there was a great deal of record keeping. And it became even more complicated because there are entities called servicers whose job it is to actually do the collection of the loan payments, taxes and insurance, and to make sure that the money flows ultimately to the investors. And these servicers are also the entities that initiate foreclosure actions when borrowers default. One important fact about servicers is almost all of them are affiliates of banks. So you could have a bank that bought the loans, that was involved potentially in creating the securities, in selling the securities through their broker-dealer arms, with having their own servicers service the loan. So this is one big, giant financial conglomerate that is involved with each stage of the lending process, or at least can be involved with every stage. So what happened is that when the market was rosy and people were refinancing and buying homes, the money was flowing pretty easily from borrowers to investors, the investment banks, the servicers, everybody was making money. But the paperwork didn't flow that easily. In fact, it didn't flow much at all. And that really didn't matter. As long as the money was flowing, the fact that nobody really knew where the loans were or who owned the loans really didn't matter as long as all the money was getting to the right people. These paperwork problems pervade the entire industry. Now, borrowers are defaulting, many because of the economic downturn caused by risky bank practices, and suddenly we have this huge balloon of foreclosure actions. So the actions are initiated usually by the servicers, and they're in the name of whoever is the trustee for the pool of loans. So the trustee really represents the interests of the investors who purchased the securities that were backed by the loans. And if you understand that, you're in great shape. So suddenly the servicers are initiating foreclosure actions in the name of the trusts, which are generally banks, and they have to show to the courts in a state that has judicial foreclosure and a non-judicial foreclosure state, they just have to file the appropriate documents through an administrative process. But whichever processes, they need to have the note and they have to have accurate information of the amount that the borrower owes on the note. And all of this requires them to actually review the documents, the, the statement about what borrowers owe and the documents showing that the lender really does own the note on which they're trying to foreclose. Starting back in 2007, judges began noticing problems with the paperwork that the servicers and lenders were filing in court. In many courts, you have to file an affidavit 
saying that you've reviewed the documents, that the borrower owes X amount, that the particular lender owns the note, and these affidavits have to be signed under the pains and penalties of perjury and notarized. Banks discovered that in some cases, the notarizations on the affidavits were dated before the date the documents were actually reviewed, which means that the affidavits and the notarizations were unlawful. Sometimes they discovered that the notarizations were actually forged. They would look at loan documents from three different cases, and the affidavit would be signed by the same person in each case, but the signatures were completely different, so they knew that they were forged. In addition, there was evidence that the lenders had not determined that they actually owned the note on which they were trying to foreclose. And there are even cases where somebody took out only one loan, but was foreclosed on twice because one of the lenders really did own the loan and the other one didn't, but they both foreclosed. So as these defaults have increased, servicers and lenders really need to get a ton of these affidavits out. So they began using what are called now robo-signers, who signed these affidavits, swearing that they had reviewed all the loan documents and that the lender owned the note that the entity was foreclosing on, but they hadn't. They hadn't read the documents. They were swearing to something that wasn't true at all. So one of the questions people ask me about the situation is, what was wrong with this? Why was this a problem that they were just automating this signing process? Well, the first problem, which anybody who's a lawyer would recognize right away, is that if these affidavits were submitted in courts, the people who were signing them were committing perjury, as were the lenders who they were representing. So they were abusing the courts. Second, we have people who actually wrongfully lost their homes. I think one of the most important points in this is the hubris that these practices reflect, that banks were willing and have been, and some continue, to ignore the rule of law in the name of profits. It's interesting to think about this crisis with the paperwork at, at the same time that the banks are announcing their quarterly earnings and their projected bonuses for 2010. Certainly, they could have used some of these profits and some of the money set aside for bonuses to make sure that they were complying with the law. So another question people ask me is, if people deserve to lose their homes, why should we care about what appears to be a mere technicality? just improper review of the documents and fraudulent affidavits. Why does it matter if the borrowers were going to lose their homes even with the proper affidavits and review of documents? And that's a good point, and it's a good question. Most of the borrowers who have been foreclosed upon were in default on their mortgages. Some were not, but they still lost their homes because the lenders submitted the false information. So that's an important thing, that some people were losing their homes even though they shouldn't have. So as long as some people are losing their homes wrongfully, we should care about this process. The analogy I like to use is to drunk driving. The law not only focuses on consequences, that is accidents, but also on behavior because we want to avoid accidents. We don't have a law that says you can drive drunk, but if you cause an accident, you're going to have to pay for the consequences. Instead, we have a law that says you can't drive drunk. You will have to pay if there's an accident, but the point is we say you can't drive drunk because we want to avoid the accidents. 
Most drunk drivers don't cause accidents, but we still sanction drunk driving. The same is true when you think about foreclosure documentation. The law says you must comply with these rules, legal mandates, about handling foreclosures, because if you don't, there is a risk that somebody will wrongfully lose their home. And that's exactly what has happened. And this is why these procedures are important and the bank's flagrant violations of them raises very serious legal and ethical issues. The last question people ask me is, what does this mean for the economic recovery and the recovery of the housing market? My biggest concern, other than the consumers who have wrongfully lost their homes and my concerns about the bank's behavior during the foreclosure epidemic, is that we now have a glut of properties on the market that were foreclosed upon, and we should expect millions more. There are 7 million people who have defaulted on their loans. So those loans, the great majority of them are going to go into foreclosure as well. There are many problems that have arisen from the current foreclosure documentation issues. One is that consumers have wrongfully lost their homes. Another is that we are seeing signs of what I mentioned earlier as hubris by the banks, a willingness of the banks to ignore the rule of law. And the third and important piece is that these problems are going to stall the recovery in the housing market. And that's because people will be reluctant to buy homes at foreclosure sales. There are millions of homes that have already gone through foreclosure. There's 7 million people who have defaulted on their loans, and the great majority of those people are likely to lose their homes to foreclosure. But if people are worried that buying a foreclosed home could mean that they don't get a good title to that home because of these paperwork issues, there are not going to be sufficient buyers at the foreclosure sale. That means that we're going to have even more homes on the market with fewer buyers. For people who have already bought homes at foreclosure, they may discover, which has happened in Massachusetts, that they don't have good title to the property, that they cannot get title insurance, which is necessary to be able to obtain a mortgage. What's worse is when you buy property at a foreclosure sale, there's no guarantee at the time that you will get good title. The deed is usually a quitclaim deed, which means you can't bring any lawsuits against the person who sold you the property. So you could potentially buy a piece of property, not get good title to it, not be able to get a mortgage to pay for the property, and lose the down payment. So we have the situation where there are people who own homes who may not be able to sell them, and we're going to have a lot of properties coming onto the market where the lenders cannot assure the buyers that they are going to get good title. Thank you very much. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.